special guest, friend, and also former Built to Perform athlete, Mr. Darren Carter. Thank you for joining me today on this podcast, my man. This is going to be the first guest podcast that I've had. So uh, you are you are setting the standard, buddy. So anyway, for those who are listening and those who don't know, Darren's got a wealth of knowledge, wisdom from a long, successful football career so we're going to talk about some of the highs the lows the lessons today and as i say darren thank you very much for joining me this morning my man no problem mate no pressure being the first guest then it's uh all on me to set the set the bar mate you are setting the standard but you know what i don't expect anyone better to do it so there we go anyway for obviously those who are listening just uh just give us a bit of an introduction on who darren carter is my man and take us back to sort of day one yeah, well, um, sort of grew up in Solihull, um, born and bred here, and um, yeah, from a young age, it was it was football for me. It was never ever going to be anything different. Um, my dad was kind of a semi-pro footballer himself, uh, played around sort of the Midlands, so that was my life really. Um, following him, uh, following Birmingham City as a fan, and uh, and then first getting into football in I think it was the under nines of my first team. A team called Arden Forest, uh, based in Solihull. Um, and from there, I got scouted, um, ended up going to, to Blues at uh, 12, I think it was. Um, they then scrapped the youth system, which uh, wasn't ideal. Um, so I kind of knocked about a little bit. I went to, to Villa, I went to Wolves, um, and then sort of it married up that when I was 14, that uh, Blues came back and, and restructured the youth youth system and uh, I ended up going there and um, and that's kind of where my career kicked off from a schoolboy age at 14. Um, two years as a schoolboy, 16, I became an apprentice, a young pro um, and then made my debut at, at 18 and from there then um, had a, been fortunate enough to, to have 20 years playing um, various amounts of clubs probably touch on them as we go along um and yeah sort of uh retired sort of fully the end of last season so last summer hung the boots up kind of unofficially um and yeah I'm, I'm fully fledged in in the coaching world now something I've been doing alongside playing for probably three or four years but um this year has been the first time I've um I've gone into full-time coaching and uh and yeah hung the boots up Love that, mate. And I love the fact that you are mentioned the uh, mentioned Aston Villa there, there, mate. That humbles me. Makes me feel a little bit better. But <laughs> not uh, many just people know that, mate. Not many people know that. So no, well, there you go. <laughs> try and keep that one quiet. Absolutely, mate. Love it. So that's a nice, nice introduction, mate. I love that. And sort of fast forward us to sort of now, today, what, what's happening for Darren Carter today? Yeah, well, I mentioned obviously the end of the season in the summer, I hung the boots up and um, I wanted to get into the full-time coaching game. Um, I ended up going sort of part-time at first with uh, West Brom and the Albion uh, women's team. Uh, I've got still got a lot of connections from the from my time when I played there and there were a lot of people and they asked me to, to come in and, and sort of do some part-time coaching with them. They are a part-time outfit at the moment, the women's team. Um, and from there, sort of, I've done that for, for three months, kind of from, I think it was August through to, to the end of November. Um, and then I got the call from, from Birmingham City Women um, and they wanted a, a new head coach, uh, asked if I was interested and kind of after having a real think and, you know, am I ready? And, um, you know, it's kind of 
uh, a role that came you know a lot quicker than I thought it would um but I thought you know why not and obviously you know me Tom I, I like to push myself out of my comfort zone uh when I can and you know as a learning and a growth um in, in my development in terms of coaching um it was a fantastic opportunity so yeah from the end of November I took the the head coach role at, at Birmingham City women's team and um yeah full-time outfits so I'm, I'm full-time coaching now and and that's where I find myself up to up to today I legendary stuff. Yeah, I love it. That's uh, obviously there's a there's a huge transition there from sort of going from that playing to that coaching. So obviously we'll we'll dig a little bit deeper into that. But you mentioned your your debut was it around the 18th of when was your debut professionally? Professionally, so I made my debut in the January. So I can't remember the kind of the the actual date, which is quite bad, isn't it? But um, so I just turned uh, just turned eighteen in the December. Um, yeah. I made my debut then in the January, so two thousand and two. Um, yeah. So what's that? My maths. Yeah, twenty years ago. Um, twenty. Yeah. A young a young Carts made his debut. Very overly sized football shirts, baggy shorts, uh, very skinny. Um, yeah, and are we are we gonna be, <laughs> are we gonna mention the barnet in there? Look at your face, you know. I knew I knew you was gonna throw that one in. Yeah, it was. Um, we, we I think we all made fashion choices and uh, and hairstyle choices back in the day that we wish we could change. But I I, I always uh, fall back on the fact it was it was the fashion at the time. You know, it was fashionable yeah. to have the short back and sides, and you know the fact that me me is stuck out and everything else. Um, but no, I. I kind of I love reminiscing really now, sort of as we get older and wiser. I think you you do reflect and you look back on them times and think about how you were as a person. Um, you know, you think at 18 years old, you you've done it all, um, but it's far from it, isn't it? And uh, the experiences that you've had up to that point um, and my thought process. But I was just young, I was fearless. You know, I really was. So I remember that that night getting told that I was playing pretty much an hour and a half before the game. Um, and it's quite weird, really, because you think that's what you've worked for all your all your life up to that point through the youth team as a young player. You want to make your pro debut, um, especially for your hometown club um, and in a local derby as well against West Brom. Um, so, yeah, it's quite weird looking back. I was just fearless. My mindset was, you know, I, I just you know loved playing football. It was a great opportunity. And, um, yeah, I just, just flew into the game and... It kind of just whizzed past, really. I, you know, I always remember it going very quickly. Um, I just think, you know, I wasn't able to take it all in at the time. It was just, yeah, I was just excited and um, and probably fearless. That's probably the one word I can I can use. <clears throat> and uh, apologies, mate, because but talking to Barnett, I've got no. I've got no right to say anything, especially when I look like a receding boiled egg. So you can't take any banter from me. But uh, that's why I grew my hair. That's why I grew it out now. So <laughs> with that as well, mate. So so with that, you know, looking at it from from that fearless sort of eighteen year old. If we're gonna open that up a little bit, what's what's maybe one thing you would say to yourself, a younger version of yourself? Because a lot of things that we talk about inside of Built to Perform is identity shifts so a lot of guys when they come on board they obviously in a, in a certain place and you could probably relate that to you being that 18 year old guy and obviously through that phase and through that career you've had to make a shift many times um but what's what's sort of one thing that you could look back on and say 
knowing what you know now, would you say to that 18-year-old Darren Carter who was fearless straight out the gate, mm. out, the, out the bat? Um, I always feel like I was quite humble, you know, growing up. And I think the football world has got a, a real ruthless side to it and a real egotistical side to it. And, you know, the game has changed a lot over 20 years since I made my debut. Um, but even at that time, you know, I had a lot of confidence. You know, I was fearless. Um, and probably a little bit what I touched on, you know, about my debut was just taking it all in a little bit more. Um, I was just literally so hungry to go into the next game and just training and not really taking a step back and kind of, you know, looking and, and seeing, you know, where I'm at and, and what I'd have achieved and, and not saying that I would have stood still then or <clears throat> rested on my laurels. It was kind of like, you know, just, you know, embracing the moment a little bit more. Um, so I always look back on them younger years, you know, of my career. And, you know, like I say, I was just, you know, like a greyhound. I was like, every game I just wanted to play and train. And it was just, you know, instead of kind of stepping back and, and just appreciating it a little bit more. Because, um, you know, I just think it was, you know, my head was down, just work, 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 work. And, you know, I'm all for that. But I think you do need to sort of, you know, bob your head up now and again and just sort of take stock and and sort of reflect um, and sort of maybe goal set a little bit. Um, that's something I've done as, you know, as I've got older and especially the second half of my career, he's set myself some targets and stuff. And I know, when you're younger, you probably don't think about them things, but um, but you know, I found that in my second half of my career really sort of gave me a little bit more of an edge. Um, so yeah, probably them them couple of things I'd, I'd probably told the young skinny eighteen year old cards. Yeah, no, I think I think that's huge, mate. I love that because I can sort of relate a little bit in terms of cycling. So I've only stepped into the bike world for the past sort of year or two. And as you say, when you've got that characteristic of work hard, train hard, work hard, push, it's easy to have your head down. And the analogy I'm using is sort of on the bike when you're head down, looking, you're just pushing the pedals. It's easy to get stuck and caught up in that process. And I think, as you rightly say, once you actually stick your head up and have a little look around at like the countryside, like the sky and all that sort of thing, you actually enjoy the process a little bit more. I suppose is that is that one thing that you're saying in terms of obviously going through that transition from from sort of 18 year old Darren Carter to forwards is is basically having the ability to to probably just enjoy that process a bit more. Yeah, and <laughs> not staying for for a minute, I I took it for granted. I think you know I was one of the fortunate ones in terms of I made my debut young. Um, you know my kind of rise through the academy was always, I was always pushed a year ahead of myself, sometimes two years ahead of myself. So I had a real sort of, you know, steady rise. And, and that's not always the case with young players or in anything, you know, you do sort of have peaks and troughs and you go up and down. But I was quite fortunate that I kind of just went straight up. And um, when I hit the first team, I had a lot of success early. Um, so, you know, you not that I took it for granted, but I think it kind of become my norm that I was going to these fantastic stadiums. I was playing against these fantastic players. Um, and, you know, not that I was, un, un, you know, not appreciative of it, but I think, you know, at that time, it's because I, you know, it was my norm and I was surrounded by that all the time. You kind of, you know, miss the the moments then of just going, wow, I'm, I'm at Old Trafford here. I'm playing against Cristiano Ronaldo. I'm playing against Paul Scholes. Do you know what I mean? And, and I look back and think, wow, did I really take that all in at the time? Um, and it's got great memories, obviously, you know, looking back and saying I played against these players. But, um, 
you know, I'd love to go back <clears throat> into that moment and kind of be, you know, wow, just soak it up a little bit more. Yeah. Um, what, what do you think the biggest thing was that was sort of keeping you, um, sort of keeping you in that position of, of sort of head down, work hard, push hard? Was it just, it was actually purely just from your sort of characteristics? Was it very much how the team, you know, the, the, the coaching side was of the game for you at that time? So, yeah, I, I think kind of my, my upbringing was, was always that, um, you know, I was from humble beginnings anyway. Yeah, my mum and dad, you know, working class people and always instilled kind of that work hard mentality and that work ethic. And, um, you know, even when I went into sort of that first team environment, uh, you know, I was training with the first team probably from around about 17. So a good year before I made my debut, I was in and around it. And I had proper, you know, old school players if you like who were proper work hard mentality you know graft you know their their you know socks off on the pitch and then we'll have a beer after you know it was kind of that environment and the game's changed a lot now you know you know yeah, you, yeah. very much now down there you have to you know be an athlete really but I think having that you know group around me and that foundation and I always say that that first season when I made my debut if it wasn't for that squad of players I had and that mentality I mean I'm still you know, in contact with pretty much all of them because that's how good of people they were, and they, you know, um, that was their their mentality. So I was I was fortunate in that sense, and because I was a young one, and there wasn't very many young players in the squad at that time. You know, if I stepped out of line, these guys would slap me down quite quickly. Do you know what I mean? And not yeah, saying yeah. that I did, but um, so yeah, I kind of got a real good grounding early, um, and that was just down to the squad of of players and the people. Yeah, that I had around me and the coaching staff. Steve Bruce was the manager. Um, and he's a, a no nonsense and his background shows you that he's been a you know um a league winner and you know a cup winner and everything else. And um so yeah, so when you've got them people kind of managing you, um, it's hard to to step out of line. Yeah, I, I think there's there's one thing that I've got to confess a, a little secret to you, mate. There's uh when, you know, when you go onto YouTube and you watch those motivational videos and all that sort of thing, the one that I think that, that gives me the biggest tingles is I think you stepped up for the penalty. Was it against Norwich in the playoffs? Yeah. To get to get uh, get the Blues into the Premiership. I think that video, I think Tom Ross is on the commentary. It's absolutely electric. <laughs> so how, how old were you for, for that for that game? So that was, I was 18. So I'd made my debut in January um, and then that was in the May. So the the, the uh, playoff final happened in the May and what I said about sort of my rise then, you know, I got into the first team and 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 then I had success really early because I came into the team and we were kind of mid-table, not really, you know, Steve Bruce had just come in as manager and then we just went on this run and it coincided with me coming in and making my debut and and we just had a real good momentum um, and that probably, I think that probably sums up kind of what I'm trying to say about my early days was, <clears throat> you know, we got to the penalties, um, you know, 80,000 at Cardiff and, you know, we, so the penalties started and, and I knew I'd always already volunteered, I'd practice them and, you know, I was happy to step up even as an 18 year old. Um, I was, you know, really confident and I just knew, I just had a feeling we were going to win. You know, we'd had loads of playoff and, and penalty shootout heartbreak before that. So the odds were against us, really, if you look at sort of recent history. But I had a supreme confidence and I wanted to take a penalty. And it's crazy now to think 
that that was my mindset. And um, as the penalties went, I was fourth in line. And as the penalties went, um, they had missed two, I think. And the, the, the Norwich player went up before me. If he'd have missed, I wouldn't have had to take one. And I, I hand on heart, I was there hoping he, he scored because I wanted to, not because I wanted to take the winning penalty. I was just supreme. I wanted to take a penalty. Yeah. Um, and even now, thinking back, you know, walking up and, I mean, I'll watch that video back and get more nervous and sweaty palms watching it now than I was at all at that moment. And, yeah, it just probably shows the fearlessness that I had. Um, and just, yeah, just not, again, taking in the surroundings and the enormity of the moment of us, you know, going to the Premier League, 16 years that the club hadn't been there and all this heartbreak previously. And I look at the fans and stuff and, you know, they're looking, thinking, here comes this 18-year-old. He's got the season in his in the palm of his hands here and he looks cool as a cucumber. What's going on? And yeah, listen, I yeah. knew I was going to score and it's, it's crazy. <clears throat> Moments like that, I don't think come round often. And just having that supreme confidence and just knowing that you're going to do something and yeah, literally went in and again, sort of that summer then, the craze, how my life flipped from being, so, you know, making my debut at January to all of a sudden people on the street coming up to me and speaking to me and, you know, I passed my driving test at that point and I was getting on the bus and people coming up and chatting to me and it was just crazy. My, my life completely flipped from, from that one single moment. Yeah, that's incredible, mate. And as I say, when I watch that back now, it's <laughs> I literally, like, it, my heart is in my throat just watching it back. So as you say, I mean, that's, it must be pretty incredible for you to look back at those sort of moments, you know, and, and look at that transition. But obviously going going from that sort of that moment and that feeling in time of, you know, because it sounds to me as though you took on a lot of responsibility, right? So <clears throat> as an 18-year-old, it, it ultimately feels as though you, you're sort of carrying a lot. And that's true testament to your character, how you've persevered, you've had resilience, you've pushed on. When it comes to sort of looking at that, how that sort of built up into your career going forward so in your 20s mid 20s do, do you feel that that's just been sort of a consistent evolution or has there been times in there where it's sort of tested your character a little bit amongst certain things for that sort of 10 year from 20 20 year old Darren to 30 is there any sort of lessons in there a hundred percent yeah I think sort of then sort of my time at Birmingham for the next four years anyway um you know, I was on a high just from that moment, you know, the being a, a supporter of the club, the fans embraced me straight away and, and you know, I could never do no wrong, if you like. Um, and then when I did leave Blues in 2005 and, and went across the road to West Brom, um, that's when the real lessons started for me. Um, it was a, a great move. And, and again, one of my idols was manager Brian Robson, someone I'd, I'd looked up to all, you know, growing up. And my dad had always told me to model my game on. Um, and that was the first time that I went into a situation where, you know, by this time I was uh, 21, I think 22. Um, so I'd got a bit of experience behind me. Um, and I wasn't viewed as the as the young lad who's, who's come good and come through the ranks. All of a sudden it was right, you're based on your performances now and, you know, that's where you get your merit. And I kind of struggled a little bit to start with um, and my form wasn't great. And that was the first time I'd ever encountered any criticism from, from fans and, you know, social media, you know, wasn't kind of big back then anyway, which is probably a good thing. Um, 
but at games and just the feel you was getting, um, you know, I was getting a little bit of negativity and it was <clears throat> the first time I'd ever experienced that. And it kind of knocked me back a little bit at first because obviously it wasn't a life experience that I'd had. Um, and kind of, yeah, it took a bit of adapting. And that was the first time I remember sort of, you know, looking within myself and, and going, okay, how do I deal with this? How do I come through this? And, you know, I'm kind of proud to look back and think to myself, I literally just said to myself, right, I'm going to get my head down. I'm going to get myself as fit as I possibly can. And, and it was all about my fitness, get myself, you know, as fit and, 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 you know, run all day kind of mentality and the football bit will follow. Um, and that's what I did. Uh, and it, and it turned it round. Um, and that was kind of then the benchmark for me of right in my career, I am going to, you know, in, you know, it's going to be criticism. It, it, that's football. And, and that's the, the side of it. Everyone's got an opinion. You know, you could be Ronaldo. I've heard people criticize Ronaldo and everything else. So that's football. And so I knew then from that point, um, that's how I deal with it. I literally, you know, not going within myself a little bit, but I sort of drown out the noise, get myself back to right. What is, you know, my fundamentals, if you like. And it was all on my fitness, you know, how hard I could, I could run how physically I could get myself to my max. And I knew I had the football ability then, you know, that would just be on top. Um, so that was, yeah, that was the first sort of time that I kind of had to come through some adversity and, and that set the precedent then for my, the rest of my career when I did encounter them moments again. Yeah, and I think that something that comes to mind, Darren, you know, and I've worked with you sort of on an individual level, so I know this a little bit deeper, but it, it sounds to me, again, from people who are sort of listening or watching this back, the way that you apply yourself personally, and this is sort of how sort of the evolution of Built to Perform is now. We work physically, yes, but personally and professionally. So within that, your professional side of, of turning up for the game and all those sorts of things, mm -hmm. do you think that your sort of preparation from Monday to Friday, your personal standards and your sort of physical standards away from the game and away from training behind closed doors. Do you think that some things that, you know, how you lived in accordance with your values off the field gave you that sort of level of resilience when you turned up on the field on Saturdays? 100% and, you know, I'm still the same to this day, even worse now, probably more OCD <laughs> about it in terms of the detail <laughs> I go into in my prep. Um, so, uh, you know, I always felt if I'd have, you know, had a good week training and done everything right, trained right, ate right, you know, recovered and slept, um, going into a match day then on the weekend, I felt supremely confident. And, you know, and if there was ever weeks where there was where you didn't quite feel at it, you may have just felt a little bit, fatigue or whatever um there's always that i don't want to say doubt but you always had that thing in your mind then on a match day have i you know covered all the bases have i you know made sure that i'm ready 100 for this game today um and it's kind of you know you, you're fighting a battle against yourself more than anything and um that's the one thing that football had done for me anyway was because there's, as i said so many opinions so many people will voice their you know opinion of you it's you know they don't see that week up until the game day all they see is them 90 plus minutes on a, on a match day and there's the pressure to perform um but also you know I knew the work I was putting in and that's often missed I think a lot by by fans you know of any sport really they don't see the hard hours you know away from you know the the events or the game um 
And that kind of fueled me a little bit then because it was, you know, I loved the fact that I was fighting against myself mentally. I wasn't fighting against anyone else. You know, forget what anyone was saying. You know, if I knew on a Saturday I'd done everything right um, to get myself prepared for that game, then, you know, I was I was happy and, you know, the, the cards will fall where they do on that day. Yeah, absolutely, mate. I love that. And uh, and again, I knew this podcast would be in this way because it's extremely honest, it's open, it's vulnerable. And this is the thing that a lot of people will take credit from, number one, but also probably take value from your lessons through that, number two. So with, you know, and something that sort of fast forwards to sort of the, the day and age of how things are now, there's a, there's a lot around psychology, there's a lot around mindset. There's a lot around focus. Um, it, you, you did mention, I have made a note that you mentioned the word goal setting um, for you when you were younger. What's what's something that comes to mind when you think about goal setting at, at that sort of period of time? Was there something that you sort of decided to do for yourself? Is it something that you now wish that you could have done before? When it comes to that goal setting thing, just, just go a little bit deeper with, with what you're talking about with that. Yeah, I think sort of from a, you know, a professional level, it was, you know, I wanted to play in every game um, and pride myself on being available for every game. Um, yes, injuries will occur. But again, in my mind, you know, if I do all my injury prevention, if I do all my prehab stuff, um, then that will limit the injuries I do get. And again, I was very fortunate over my career to, to have, I literally had one major injury that came sort of mid, you know, bang in the middle of my career um but yeah just sort of you know again having a routine sticking to it having a um a plan in terms of what I was doing you know off the field so my gym work um my CV I was massive on my CV um and getting myself to my physical max and then off that setting a, a target of right I want to be available for every game you know I want to be you know the manager's can, can select me for every game. I'm, I'm fit, I'm available. Um, and then playing as many games as I could in that season. Um, yes, I did have goals then, you know, in terms of how many assists, how many goals I wanted to score. Um, but at the time as well, um, sort of pro zone and the GPS was just starting to come through. Um, and I loved the data. I loved looking back on the distances I'd ran, yeah. loading, you know, high speed and everything else. And, you know, back then I did get a little bit of decent high speed. Uh, that dwindled as I got older, but um, the loading part, I always sort of like was, I wanted to be top of that loading. So I think back in my West Brom days, I was hitting kind of 13K, 13 and a half K per game. And I was, the, the you know, top of the, the list in the squad. Uh, and that gave me a load of confidence. So that was my one of my goals as well, was to write, I want to be finishing top of them, them stats. Um, and even in training, you know, we obviously got monitored in GPS in training. It's kind of wanted to be in that top three at least. You know, that was the the benchmark. And pre-season was another big one. You come back and it's always kind of right, the dreaded time of year for a <clears throat> for a footballer. But yeah, finishing first in the running and you know knowing who <clears throat> I'd be up against. Um, yeah, so sort of challenging yourself against yeah. them. Um, so yeah, I kind of them they they were my targets throughout throughout my career. Um, and then as I got older, it was even more than pre-season coming back with these young bucks who can run all day. It's kind of right, okay. You know, I'll show you what this thirty plus you know uh, oldie can do. Um, 
and then trying to drive it for them and, and set the standard for them really. Um, Cause then, you know, for me, it was kind of inspiring them. If they're seeing you at 30 something flying round and beating them in the running, it might sort of twinge something in their young minds and go, okay, I want to find out more and deeper what Karts has done over his career, how he prepares himself, how he's still, you know, as fit at this, this stage of his career. Um, so yeah, they're probably a, a, a few sprinkled in there. Yeah, hundred percent, mate. And it, <laughs> it's music to my ears when you say data, because I'm an absolute, as you know, mate. I'm an absolute data queen. So when I see numbers and graphs and Excel spreadsheets, it's it's top class. And as I say, that's just another tool, really, in your arsenal that sort of gets you ready and gets you prepared. And I think one thing that comes to mind is is your separation is in the preparation. So the fact that you've got this <clears throat> these levels of standards for yourself, which in reality, you hold yourself accountable to. The way that you operate and perform off the pitch allows you to be the person that you are on the field. So obviously going through that, that level of, of playing and then making that transition into the, into the coaching side, what's, what's some of the sort of aspirations for you, for you now in terms of the coaching side of the game? It's kind of <clears throat> this year has been been great in terms of kind of learning the, the role and and learning a new side to it. It's a completely different dynamic, and you know I've got that gist uh, obviously by doing the coaching alongside playing, and it and it gave me a greater understanding and a greater perspective as as a player. And I kind of wish I'd done it a little bit earlier because it did enhance my playing side. Just seeing it from a coach's angle, um, understanding the hours that they put in you know, planning, prepping, um, you know, analysing it, you know, it really did bring home that, you know, as a player, you've got it easy, really. You turn up, you train, you go home. And, you know, as a, as a manager, as a coach, you never switch off. So that the mental side of it, I think, has been kind of the, the challenge and, and getting a balance and finding, you know, how that works for me and how I operate. So, you know, as I mentioned, I'm OCD <clears throat> on my detail. Um so you can imagine my head's always going and my mind's always, you know, the first thing I think about when I wake up is, right, what am I doing today? What's the prep? What's the plan? And um, so from that perspective, yeah, mentally, I've really had to to find a balance. Um, and then from, you know, a physical aspect, you know, you're on the touchline now, you're not running about, you're not active as such. So it's kind of been fitting in my training, if you like. And, you know, we've always talked, haven't we, Tom? I always said to you, when I finish playing, I'm going to be an absolute beast. I'm going to be, you know, this, you know, conditioned athlete, um, do all the stuff I couldn't do when I was playing football, you know, lift all these weights and get myself into complete pristine shape. Didn't take into consideration that I may have another profession running alongside that. Um, so, yeah, that's been the challenge, you know, mentally and then, like you say, fitting in the training now and kind of setting a new routine for myself um, to get myself into the shape that, uh, that I want to get to. Yeah, love that. And what's with that now, and, and obviously, as you rightly said, there's, I can only imagine there's a, there's a vast amount of different thought processes that you've got now making this early transition into the sort of coaching side of the game, especially now seeing it, as you rightly said, from the sidelines. So with the level of sort of physical preparation that you've always had, and that's in your arsenal, in terms of obviously now stepping into the sort of personal and professional side of, of 
getting ready and, and the preparation side of things. What are some things from sort of a logistical level, a logistical standpoint on sort of a day-to-day -day operation basis that or, or maybe some non-negotiable things that you make sure that you do or some things that protect in that mentality? Because I know that you mentioned early in your career about setting yourself up for putting yourself in a strong <coughs> position to obviously make sure that you're mentally ready. So what are some things maybe that people don't know or that people could take sort of some lesson or credit from um, when it comes to you preparing in the week now from a professional standpoint versus a physical standpoint? Yeah, I think it's, you know, a lot mentally. Um, so for me, again, you know, ticking all the boxes, making sure that, you know, I'm prepared, I'm ready, I'm organized. Um, you know, it's a very hectic schedule, you know, for when you're playing game to game. Um, and again, because I want to be super detailed in everything I'm doing, you know, that's not only from planning, you know, uh, pitch sessions, it's it's then organising individual things, it's uh, organising the analysis, so pre-match, post-match, so, do, you know, going through the data, watching video, watching games of opposition, it never stops. And um, so it, it's kind of having a routine in place and knowing that, right, this is what I'm doing on this day, um, and then just hitting, hitting them targets, getting things ready on the deadlines that I want them, um, and then you're sprinkling that then kind of because I'm I'm managing people now for the first time, you know, in my life. And, you know, I've always felt like, I, you know, I can, you know, really get on a level with people and, you know, I can speak to people um, well and even on an individual level. And you can imagine managing, you know, 20 plus players and staff. That's been a big challenge and, and kind of making time for everybody and, and you know, making sure that they feel appreciated, they're part of the process, I'm getting their feedback, making sure that I'm creating an environment that, you know, is, is one, is elite, but is enjoyable to come in and work. Um, and having that sort of, you know, um, as my responsibility, you know, it's that's where I think, you know, my non-negotiable is I've got to be on it every day. You know, I've got to be, uh, you know, adaptable. 100% this is what that you know this is certainly one thing that this job throws at you you know you're never sure you know what conversations you're going to have in a day um, but accountability as well I, you know I'm big for that especially in football um, you know there's a lot of finger pointing and there's a lot of pressure on people and it can you know bring out you know traits that are, you know don't really like in people I've always said to myself accountability is big for me and I've already had that sort of in my short career as a manager and holding my hands up if I feel I've got something wrong I think that's important um you know I don't you know people think oh it's, you know you don't want to show that vulnerability but I think you know people respect it and players respect it um you know probably one example I can throw at you is we had a game an early kickoff at you know Manchester United some weeks back um and in the planning we were kind of like do we have an overnight stay and stay the night before and then there was budget issues as well with that but I made the decision we'll go up on the morning. Um, we went up on the morning. Um, it didn't feel right with me. It didn't sit right with me the day before. I was kind of thinking we should have done an overnight stay. We start the game with 3-0 down in 20 minutes. And I put that straight on myself because I'm like, we haven't prepared properly. Um, we haven't done what we should have done. And I was open with the players after the game. I said, you know, I take that one on my shoulders. And um, that's me being accountable for that situation because I feel like, I didn't 
I didn't do what should have been done. Um, so yeah, so accountability is big for me, and just honesty. I think when you're honest with people, um, and you you know it might not be what they want to hear, but honesty and speaking truthfully to them and what you're feeling, your thought process is alongside trying to help them. Um, yeah, they're the the non-negotiables for me that I try now to to implement every day. Yeah, and I think the, the the biggest word that sort of comes to mind, even within this sort of short conversation, Darren, is responsibility. You know, I think you've mentioned that word even from from yourself, from you taking responsibility at such a young age, breaking into your career, and and having having that career and, and taking that responsibility with you as an individual one, but now taking that into into a team environment where no doubt you're spinning lots of different plates. So obviously your organization, your, your level of organization, preparation, getting ready for those things. Um, and, and the big one you touched on there is, is that sort of accountability. And obviously you've been accountable to yourself, obviously number one. Um, but do you feel with that accountability side of things that there are, there's people with you currently who are helping you with that and you're accountable to within that process? Yeah, I think <clears throat> I take it on, you know, the fact that I'm accountable to the players, uh, you know, my staff, because ultimately, you know, they're looking to you to lead. Um, and and that's something, another thing I've always looked at over my career and <clears throat> is is that leadership role. And as I got older as a player, I took it kind of on my shoulders that I led by example. You know, I wouldn't say I'm a massive shouter and talker. Um you know, I think I'll communicate to people um, on a level, but I'm not one of these that's going to shout and ball at people. And um, so I like to lead by example. You know, if young players see me in the gym till four o'clock on an afternoon or they see me first in the building, you know, that's I think that's as powerful as, as telling them what I do or, you know, telling them what to do. <clears throat> so I think, yeah, that's one thing I, I try to implement now is, you know, I'm, I'm accountable to my to my staff and players, you know, I want the best for them. I'm trying to make them better, ultimately to make us better as a collective. So, um, and obviously, yeah, you have to be accountable to the powers that be and, you know, the people above you and yeah. you know, man that managing up is yeah, uh, yeah. That's, that's new to me. Um, but yeah, I, yeah, I think it's then important to surround yourself with the right people um, and then recruiting the right people to, They've got the same kind of values, same you know, share the same work ethic, because um, that's important. You need to to lean on people as well, and and have people there who can give you reassurance. You know, I, I kind of pride myself on being this strong mental individual, but I need reassuring a lot of the time as well. Like you say, you you've seen it yourself, Tom. You know, when I come, you know, I was with you, and you know, I speak to you. It's good to get that reassurance from someone else. So yeah, surrounding yourself with like-minded people um, who share your values and, and opinions, or say opinions, but your, you know, your work ethic um, is vitally important. So, um, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's a, a strong philosophy there, Darren. And that's, you know, again, true testament to the, the character that you are. And I think, obviously, with that at the minute, and I'm, <laughs> I'm just interested to hear what, what's happening for Darren in the physical world. What's, are, we mm. still, are we still the engine? Are we still, so obviously you said leading by example, still in the gym, still putting in the hours, doing the shift, which is absolutely magical for me to hear. So mm. um, in terms of obviously you and the fitness and the physical side of things now, are you still continuing that? 
Yeah, it's kind of, again, kind of trying from the, from the end of November, um, trying to get a schedule together that works for me and, and sort of learning the, the long hours now that I'm doing from the coaching point, you know, is, is then how does that look in terms of fitting in my, my, my gym stuff? Um, I do get a couple of days where I, you know, I do have a bit of freedom in the week and it's, you know, Monday. Is the, the assault bike in there? <laughs> Unfortunately, the, the the gym at the village doesn't have one. Um, I have asked them about it. Yeah, <laughs> not really. <laughs> but the, the, but that's the thing. You know me, Tom, and and you know when I obviously when I train, the thought of getting on that assault bike and and pushing yourself to your absolute maximum. You know the thought is horrendous. I don't think anybody enjoys that. No. But there's <laughs> a little bit inside of me that goes, I want that. You know, when I see you training and I see you flat out and I see anybody training flat out and, um, you know, I get that, that envy. I, I really don't get that jealousy then. Cause I'm like, that's what I, you know, that's what I love doing. I love the feeling after a hard workout coming out and you literally know you've pushed yourself to your physical limit. That's the feeling for me. Um, and even now, you know, just getting myself out, you know, if it's been a long day and I can't get to the gym, I've come home and I'm right, right, running shoes on, bang, I'm just out for a run. Um, and there's no better feeling for me in terms of just going out, running. Uh, and even the early stages when I first took over the job and it was very full on, that's what I went to. Uh, you know, I was running a lot, a lot of road running just to clear my head and just sort of, you know, feel like I'm, I'm still doing my physical stuff. Uh, but to answer your question, yeah, I think I'm in a routine now. I know what my my day to day looks like. I know what my weekly schedule looks like. Um, yeah. But I'm still kind of in a phase now, and I, I know we spoke last week about kind of how's that look for me now. So kind of what I'm, you know, what are my goals? Um, yeah, because I've, I've got sort of a baseline fitness that I, I like to to keep at. But I'm ready now for a for a challenge. Um, so that's exciting times, mate. Because I think. As I say, I think it's really important for, for high performers, and that's what I call a man of your caliber is a, is a high performer. It's important that you're working for something bigger than yourself, right? And I think amongst your playing career, you were playing for something bigger than you. You know, you're playing for a professional club. And I think you transitioning now into what you're doing, you're doing something bigger than yourself. You're, you're managing coaching on a, on a bigger scale. Um, so, yeah, I think it's important for you from that sort of physical aspect that you're, you're working for something that's currently bigger than, than what you're able to do because you've got that ability in there and you want to make sure that you're pushing that from that performance perspective. Just from, uh, you know, your, it sounds to me as though throughout your training, and I know this from, from you as an individual, you've got high standards when it comes to training hard, pushing hard, working hard. And I know, fast forward that to now, you, one thing that you do, but I don't think you mind me saying, is you, you're heavy into yoga, yeah. right? So, yeah, looking after your body, uh, looking after your mind and all those sorts of things, which in reality, I'll hold my hands up and I'll say, it's probably one thing <laughs> that I wish I would have done from a younger age when everybody was telling me, you know, oh, you've got to stretch, you've got to do this. And it's, it's more than just a stretching session, right? Yeah. And I think you mentioned there when you go for your runs, it's a, it's a mental release, right? And, that, and that's what you're doing. You're offloading. So have you found now the power within sort of like the yoga and, and potentially even sort of meditation? Because in reality, that's what it is. It's peaceful. It's calm. Do you, do you sort of wish and feel that you would have incorporated some of that earlier? 
Yeah, I think I was, I mean, I've been yo doing yoga now for probably about 10 years. Well, yeah, close to 10 years. Um, yeah. And that helped me a lot, you know, finding yoga and kind of, yeah, it just balanced me out even in my career and even more so now I can put more hours into yoga. Um, I'm not as stiff, you know, and, and, you know, achy going into yoga sessions as I was as a player. So obviously I'm not physically, um, you know, doing as much. Um, but yeah, I, I just love yoga because you have that balance to it. Whatever session you do, I do a lot of like flow sessions and fusion, uh, which is a lot of movement. Obviously you're in a hot room. So it can be a little bit of a work, well, it is a workout. You do a lot of core stuff, a lot of ab stuff within that. Um, so yeah, I love that dynamic and, and I love balancing it up. You know, it's a little bit like today, you know, I'll go and do a gym session today, but I'll finish with yoga later on tonight because I feel like it's a nice balance between the two. Um, and yeah, I, I mean, I, I can't, you know, advocate for yoga, you know, enough. I think it's so good. Like you say, not only physically, but mentally, you know, it's uh, one thing you mentioned there, meditation, and I've, I've sort of done it sort of in patches over sort of the last probably six or seven years I'd say um and it's something that I really want to incorporate every day you know even if it's for five ten minutes um it's something I love doing but you know it's easy to get away from sometimes when you're busy or you know things get in the way and but just taking kind of five minutes and ten minutes to yourself is kind of probably what I was talking about from early in my career is even that is just like a reflection on sort of your day it could be your week um and it does level you out and i know a lot of people sometimes will you know i'll say it to them they'll turn and they'll go like, sitting sitting there literally you know quiet or having a nap on and someone speaking to me for five ten minutes they, they think it's just madness you know and it's weird yeah, yeah. But try it you know that's all i'd say is try it you know don't have any kind of pre-meditated thoughts about it literally go and meditate um and yeah, I think Pete, you know, I think uh, it's it's a great tool to switch yourself off and reflect. Um, and yeah, I mean, I'm a big fan. I've got the Calm app. I don't know if you know you've used that yourself. Yeah, yeah. Even sleep stories now. I've got Matthew McConaughey sending to me to sleep most nights. <laughs> um, so little things like you say that just aid your recovery or a you know mentally as well. You know, I'm, I'm big on on all that and. Uh, yeah, but yoga especially has become a, a massive part of my life to the to the tune now that I've got my yoga teacher sort of saying to me, do you want to put some hours in for the teaching and stuff? And I'm not, I'm not sure I've, I've got time for that at the minute, but um, I've never actually thought yoga teacher would be in my, my arsenal. But um, That but yeah. would be interesting if you brought that into a session next week for the team. <laughs> right. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I, I listen, I advocate for my players to, to do yoga. Um, yeah. And I know a lot of teams will, will do it um, uh, and try and implement it. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm really desperate to get, you know, my players now into yoga because I think, like you say, it's so beneficial from a, from a physical standpoint and mentally. Yeah, I love that, mate. That's, that's top class. And as I say, I think the biggest thing that we sort of talk about inside of Built to Perform is... Um, Self-awareness, right? So self-awareness and self-governance and having sort of emotional consistency. And I think you've, you've really hit the nail on the head there, mate, in terms of having those small pockets of time because the problem that you get, and this is just sort of from my own experience of, of using meditation as a tool, 
it can be really difficult because it's hard to focus on quieting the noise and the noise is there all the time. So especially when you've got, you've got deadlines, you've got expectations, you've got standards, all these sorts of things. So one thing that we, we do, and I know you, you spoke about this as well, even before doing this podcast is just with your affirmations and just simply spending five minutes in peace on your own first thing in the morning with a coffee just with a pen and paper, something simple like that, which you don't have to overthink or overwhelm and just allowing your brain to just potentially run free for a little bit. And I think, as you rightly say, that's so important to maintain balance because mm. it, it, as, as you rightly say, from, from high performance, pushing hard, from someone who's on the outside in, and I know you mentioned this at the start, is people don't actually get to see the insides of the things that you do on a day-to-day -day basis even as a youngster so you spending the time and doing those things you know to allow for that level of self-awareness and more importantly to reflect right so you're having that reflection piece on the day well what went well what didn't go well how can I improve how can you move the needle forwards that one percent so uh so yeah and no, I think in terms of wrapping that up mate you've just hit the nail on the head there with that sort of final piece to allow for that level of equilibrium and, and balance. So thank I you. Think for, yeah, yeah cool. no, I think it's important what you're saying there, Tom, is we live in a sort of a, a world now where there's so much information thrown at us. You can, you know, go on to Instagram, you can go on Twitter, you can go on all these platforms and see people's lives in detail. And it's not often you know, their lives, that it's just a piece of what they're doing. And especially in the fitness world and everything else, you know, I've got people I follow for inspiration, but also, you know, it's not forgetting then that they're on their own journey. You know, they may be ripped as hell and doing all these unbelievable exercises. And I'm like, wow, I want to get to that level. But it's kind of not, not pitching yourself against that so much. Um, it's kind of right. I'm on my own journey. It's my own process. And I think then moments then where you reflect, you know, it's, it's about you. It's about no one else, you know, and I know it's hard sometimes, you know, I've done meditation and you can't kind of drown out things sometimes, but that's part of the process. It's part of you realizing that, um, but not getting caught up on, you know, other things, other people, you know, focusing on yourself. Um, cause it's easy and we all do it, don't we? You know, we, we look yeah, yeah. at other people mm -hmm. and you think flipping, Oh, I want to be that fit. I want to be that strong. I want to be whatever it is. Um, but then, you know, that's one thing I've kind of done is thought, okay, these things are great and I can get inspiration from them. But, you know, I'm not going to kind of, you know, put myself down then because I'm not at that level or, you know, um, I haven't got there yet. I'm on my own journey. And then that's appreciating where you are and kind of where, you know, your process is um, and enjoying your journey, you know, not so much, you know, trying to aspire to other people. Yeah, and I think that you've hit the nail on the head again with that sort of understanding when you're when you're in this position and, and what you're doing, you know, the the last mile is the loneliest mile, the, the, the what people don't see. So when you're in that time, it's so important to, as you rightly said, enjoy the process because you've mentioned the word reassurance. And when you go for reassurance from external things, the problem that you can have is that you have comparison and comparison is the thief of joy. So when you then start to compare yourself, as you rightly say, from a fitness level, from a professional level, for a whatever level, you can easily get your caught up, self caught up on someone's best self 
and you compare that to your current worst self, how you may feel about yourself. But as you rightly say, those sort of tools that you've shared with us there, mate, is is so powerful to to stay on your process, on your journey, and enjoy that, and also push yourself for for you more importantly than anything else, that more than more than anything or anyone else. So, yeah, I think you've you've hit a really powerful share with that, Darren. That's top top class. So. Um, in terms of your time today, mate, and I'm obviously conscious of it, but I just want to say thank you for, for coming on and being the first guest. I am going to kill you now, all right? I hope you don't <laughs> mind. Uh-oh. Can I ask? Because people are going to be asking, and no mm-hmm. doubt you've been thrown this a lot of times, but I am going to go there. And again, I've got no right saying this because of where I'm at with this, right? <laughs> can, we, can we go through the ponytail, right? Where did it start? Mm-hmm. What's the origin? And is it going to continue? And is it going to get longer? <laughs> Again, do you know what, right? And this is it's, not to go too deep into it. Um, I think when when you're younger, and obviously, you know, I mentioned about the short back and sides I had and the bloody gel right down and a little fringe and everything else. And um, I think you kind of not conform. I, I think you probably do a little bit. You, you, yeah, you scared agreed. to be a little bit different. Um, yeah. And in football, you know, it's... You don't see a lot of, you know, especially in men's football, obviously, you don't see many with long hair. It hasn't been, never been a thing, really. Um, now, obviously, over the years, you do see the odd one, but it's still kind of, you're putting yourself out there and you kind of, you know, um, it's a little bit different and you're going to open yourself up to bloody stick and, you know, banter and everything else. But I'd always wanted to grow my hair. I'd always thought, you know, I'd like to have long hair at some point. Um, and I always said I'd do it after playing. Uh, just because of, you know, the dynamics of having long air playing football. Um, but then you think, well, am I going to have any air by the time I'm bloody, you know, and, that's my concern. and stuff. <laughs> um, so I thought, right, you know, uh, I literally, it was kind of a, a thing where I turned vegan at pr- pretty much the same time, which probably sounds the cliches thing I've ever, you know, of all of it, but it, it wasn't meant. It wasn't meant. Uh, I think it was just organic. But yeah, I literally, uh, you know, I thought, right, I'm just going to grow my hair. And it's quite funny, the process that I went through where people, you know, don't realise it, but they, you know, will say to you, like, what are you growing your hair for? Or, you know, and especially in them sort of mid-growth um, stages, you know, people are like, oh, what are you doing? You know, what are you doing? And blah, blah, blah. And it was quite funny, the reactions you get. Um, but then when you sort of, you know, now I've grown it, I'm like, it's here to stay until it falls out. Um, hey, listen, uh, that's that. You know what, though? That's and again, just looking because I've, I've looked obviously at your your pictures from like a younger age with the short back and sides that you're talking about. Mm. And I think we, we're all victim to it, right? In terms of that image, we all fall into a category of fitting in. And I remember even me as a youngster, like the TN hat, the Cabrini hoodie, Reebok <laughs> yeah. classics. Like, what yeah. are you doing? Because at the end of the day, you didn't want to step out of line or look, you know as they do something different. So that, again, for me, is just a, a true testament to you holding and owning your identity, to who you are. And it's something that's that, you know. And that's why I, I look at young, you know, young people now and, you know, if they're outlandish with their fashion or their style or, you know, their haircut or whatever they're doing, you know, people will be like, oh, wow, you know, what's he wearing or what's he doing, you know, especially these young footballers, if you like. Um, but I'm always like, well, fair play to them. If you, they've, they've got the bottle and they've got the confidence and character to to go and wear what they want to wear at that age, you know, I'm I, 
full full respect to them because you know I look at me at 21 and 22 would I wear these outlandish you know pink bag or wear an earring or no chance do you know what I mean but if that's yeah. what they want to do knowing full well that they're going to get some stick and everything else for it credit to them because you know that takes a lot of strength of I, it does. Do you know what I mean yeah. so you know you know we no, always right. harping on about be yourself but then you know when people are themselves, you know, so, you know they get criticism or whatever. Or so I, yeah, I fully respect it. So yeah, that was yeah. kind of my thinking behind the hair. It's like right, I'm, I don't care what anyone else thinks now. I want to grow my hair. So I it. love it. Uh, and again, I have tried. I tried in lockdown for uh, about three years ago, but I couldn't. I couldn't handle the stick. I'll be honest. Like uh, <laughs> I think the fact that I look like a retired geography teacher just summed it up for me. I mean, I do. <laughs> Yeah. I just I just couldn't pursue it anymore. I think it's just gone too far back, mate. It's like it's not even a forehead, it's a five head. I don't even know what it is. But anyway. It's whatever you're comfortable with, mate. Yeah, 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 exactly. Let's go with that. I'm happy to to conclude with that, Darren. That's, that's <laughs> top class, mate. So um with that as well, mate, I'm a man of simple pleasures and I love a steak on a Saturday night, 500 grams of rum. So I think, mate, listen, we won't go into vegan. <laughs> I have to, I, I'll be honest, that. mate, I'll watch all your content and all your stories when it gets to that Saturday night and that's, I'll literally have to flick through very quickly. I'm like, <laughs> can't, can't yeah. be seeing that on my, on my screen. Nah, lovely, love it, love it, top man. Darren, as always, mate, thank you so much for your time today and being on this podcast as number one guest. As I say, you've set the standard extremely high. So uh, thank you very much for your time. And also thank you for sharing some of your story and being open, honest and vulnerable with it and owning it. And as I say, it's true testament to your character as an individual and your character for where you're going in your career. So as I say, I wish you all the best, all the best of luck going forwards um, with what you're doing. And uh, no doubt we'll be speaking off this podcast, but as I say, thank you for your time today, mate. That was really top class. I appreciate it, Tom. Anytime, mate, anytime.